This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Foxborough faithful and the Patriots pals in New England, all over Patriots Nation, the world wide over, on this, the day that a new dynasty in the NFL was celebrated, we are very happy to take you behind the scenes of the dynasty. In pro football, nobody's entitled to anything. You have to go out there and earn it. I was pretty intent on proving myself. We were going to determine the future of football in New England. The Patriots are Super Bowl champions! First dynasty of the century. This game is like a narcotic. You're chasing that forever. Breaking news right now. Spygate. Deflategate. Aaron couldn't separate himself from that dark side. That team won enough to become the villain. We worked for Bill, but we played for Tom. Bill tore Brady's head completely off. There's things that are done that can't be undone. I was just trying to hold it together the best I could. This team will be scrutinized, celebrated, for as long as the game of football is played. Ooh, yes, they were, and didn't we love every single second of it. Boys and girls, here we are on the latest edition of Six Rings and Football Things brought to you by our friends at the FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, make every moment more. We're a presentation, as always, of WEEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. It's your old pals Nick Fitzy Stevens and Andy Jumbo Hart joining you today. But we have a very special guest who is here with us right now. He is one of the preeminent sports biographers in America these days, having written the definitive biographies of such goats as Tiger Woods in the book Tiger with Armin Kintayan and LeBron, which was released last year as well in his hardcover. Uh, he worked with the New England Patriots for years on a book that many consider to be the definitive story of the behind-the-scenes workings of the greatest double dynastic run in modern American sports and served as an executive producer on the forthcoming miniseries which premieres this friday in case you haven't heard on apple tv plus with the same name the dynasty ladies and gentlemen it is a pleasure to welcome to the podcast today the one the only author jeff benedict himself joining six rings in football things jeff 
finally we got this going on my man i'm so excited to have you welcome i'm i'm really glad to be here uh thank you both and andy uh for having me on and i got to tell you that even though i worked on this thing for the last almost three years uh still seeing that trailer uh, puts goosebumps on my arms i'm, I'm excited for uh, everyone else to be able to watch it yeah, the, the buzz is building great. I was reading some reviews earlier today. Obviously, I've had a, my hands on the book for a long time as well. Um, I've uh, You gave me some copies, which I shared with uh, different fan clubs and some uh, lucky fans, and we got a few more to give away as well. If you happen to have, as we're doing this live on WEEI's YouTube page, my socials and more, if you happen to have a question, we can take it live and ask Jeff during today's live podcast as well. Uh, but Jeff... Let's uh, let's sort of just uh, get into get into basically, I you know, I want to ask you, obviously, the question that's on everyone's mind first. Are you, in fact, dating Shakira? <laughs> <laughs> that's the eat. No. <laughs> One more. Oh, man. Oh, man that's too bad. OK, well, I guess that I'll just leave that up to Julian Edelman. But no, first thing I want to do, obviously, uh, you know, Tennessee tells the story and there are many other great books out there about what happened behind the scenes with the new England Patriots about Belichick, about Brady. So many, you know, there are just so many angles, so many players, so many participants in this unbelievable run by the new England Patriots. Uh, but this is the book that many look to and consider as like the beacon of what happened. Um, and you know, we learned so many different things here that we hadn't learned in a lot of other places. So I know you kind of wanted to, also sort of speak to this as well, just to get it out of the way and let everybody know. Um, let's address the, to all the Patriots fans that are watching, listening on our podcast and beyond people that believe that the dynasty is a craft sports, the, the book itself, let alone the miniseries, that people that believe that the dynasty is a craft sports and entertainment production that basically you were hired to by Robert Kraft to tell his tale. I'd like to just sort of give you the floor to address that first and foremost. <laughs> <laughs> that would be news to uh, my publisher, Simon and Schuster, uh, you know, who signed me to a contract six years ago to to write the book. And it would certainly be news to Apple TV Plus and Imagine Documentaries, the two uh, the two entities that that I'm also in business with on the docuseries. So, um, look, pe people say all kinds of things. It's interesting uh, for me. But, you know, um, the bottom line with the book is that, um, and I've been pretty open about this. It was my idea. It's something that I thought about for years before I actually pursued it. Um, but finally in 2018, right after the Patriots had lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl, um, within a couple weeks of that loss, uh, I wrote a letter to uh, Robert Kraft, the, you know, the owner of the team. I introduced myself. Um, I made it clear that I, I was interested in writing a definitive history on the New England Patriots. And I wanted to really have the book address two fundamental questions. How was this dynasty built and how was it sustained for so long? Um, I was coming off. I was right coming off um, having worked on Steve Young's biography for five years, which really ex exposed me to the San Francisco 49ers in a really deep and appreciative way. And as I got done with the 49ers, I was thinking, you know, it's, what's crazy is as amazing as that dynasty was, it was only half as successful as the Patriots. 
And and so I really wanted a chance to 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 basically go from the Niners and Steve to the Patriots. And the reason I wrote to Kraft was because I was really looking for a comprehensive. I didn't want this to be a biography about Tom Brady or about Bill Belichick or even a biography about Kraft. I was looking for access to the organization, the team, so I could tell that story. I had the title picked out in advance, The Dynasty. To me, it was it was an easy title to come up with. Um, and it and I wrote the letter to Robert the way I start any of my projects is I usually start with a letter to the subject. And in this case, it was multiple subjects because it's a team, not a person. This is not LeBron, it's not Tiger, it's not Steve Young. It's an organization and he owns it. So I didn't know him, he didn't know me. I, I wrote him a very open letter about what I wanted to do. And then it was crickets, crickets for months and um, almost six months, in fact. And then one day I got a letter in the mail, the old fashioned way um, at my home in Connecticut. And it was from him. And, um, and I, you know, I decided before I even opened the letter and read it, I formed an op opinion of him which is he's different. I mean, regardless of what the letter says, he's he's different than most people just because he actually wrote a letter. And who does that these days? Not many people. And um, that was the beginning of a, a correspondence that eventually became uh, in person after Stacey James reached out to me. And we had some conversations and I was eventually invited up to the stadium. And it was a process. Uh, Nick, to be honest, it was a process. And eventually, um, I started to have the opportunity to be inside the organization and do a lot of shadowing and observing. Initially, not a lot of interviewing, but just a lot of watching. And I think it was, you know, part of it is just feeling it out and seeing if this is actually going to work. Um, and so I, I know, look, I know what the process was. It was, it was complicated. It was lengthy, it was careful, judicious, it was all those things. Um, I'm actually proud of the process because of the end result. Um, it's one of the best projects that I've ever been able to work on. And I feel incredibly fortunate as a New Englander and someone who's lived here my whole life to have had the opportunity to do this because I have a tremendous amount of respect for a lot of the great journalists in the Boston area, guys like Michael Holly, who wrote some incredibly good books um, about the Patriots over the years, which I read over and over and over again when I was writing my book. People like Jackie McMullen, Tom Curran, people have been on the ground for a long, long time and did just really good reporting up there. Um, I think because I was an outsider and I hadn't covered the team and I didn't know people, that was probably part of the reason that um, I had a chance to do this. So Jeff, we saw the trailer and I think most of our listeners have either read the book or they didn't want to read the book for whatever reason. I don't know. But okay. if you were, um, if you were going to sell our listeners right now, why to watch the docu-series, what's different about it than the book they read and by, by extension, how was the process different for you? You wrote the book, and now all of a sudden it's been turned into a 10 part docu-series. Um, how was that unique, different, enjoyable for you? And why should we watch it? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, if you don't mind, I'll answer them in reverse. Okay. Um, I've had four other books turned into documentaries or films. 
and in each case, different levels of involvement in the process. When I set out to write the, the dynasty, even before I started writing, so I spent the first however long, 18 months, year, just doing research for the book. Even before I put pen to paper on the narrative, I, I wanted this thing to also be a docuseries. Um, and so I was thinking about that as I set out to write it. And part of the reason tried to write it in a real visual way is so that it is easier to see it as a film or a series. And in fact, uh, the minute I finished writing the last scene of the book, which is, you know, Brady driving over to Robert's house in March 2020 to tell him that he's leaving, um, I was I pivoted right from that to working on the docuseries, meaning the first part of that is spending a year setting up the project. You know, it, there's a there's a whole process to that and it takes a lot of time. And I spent about a year doing that, you know, getting the partners together, finding out who the streamer is going to be, who's the production company, lots of meetings, lots of conversations, lots of pitches. And then eventually um, I knew that I, I was really hoping that uh, Matt Hamachek would direct because I'd worked with Matt on the adaptation of my Tiger Woods book into an HBO doc. I sent Matt the book as soon as I finished writing it and asked him to read it. I was hoping he'd read it and get excited about the possibility of coming aboard as a director. And, um, and he did, you know, he wanted to, and it's great because Matt's an incredible storyteller uh, on film. And so we're now transitioning from print medium to television medium. It's very different. And the series is obviously based on the book. It's, it's essentially the same story, but told differently because it's a more visual medium. And that's why we needed the, you know, 35,000 hours of archival video that the Patriots had that they didn't even know what was on that video because they've been saving it and archiving it for 20 years. And we had to go through all that. That's a very different process than writing the book. When I wrote the book, I looked at probably mm, less than 100 hours of archival video. Some of it was in the New, New England Patriots archive. Some of it was down in Mount Laurel, New Jersey at the NFL Films Archive. I was in both places for the book. And I thought 100 hours was a lot because it felt like it as an author. That's a lot of video to look at. But for the documentary, think of 35,000 hours of video that no one had ever seen. And, and we had to go through it. That's too much for Matt or me. or We had 50 people at one time who had no job other than watching tape and logging what was on it to figure out what we could use in the series. The reason people would want to watch this, if you're a Patriots fan, is because it is loaded with footage of your favorite players that you've never seen, no one's ever seen. And I'm telling you, this stuff is so raw. You're, you're in the locker room um, after some of the biggest wins and losses in the history of the dynasty. The stuff from the 2007 season alone is gonna give people just chills. That that right after Spygate, when they go on the rampage and they are just killing everybody, the stuff that Belichick says to these guys after each win, it, it's all gold. I mean, it's, and you got Randy Moss and you got Brady and you got all these guys, Brewski. I mean, it when you're watching this stuff, that you've never seen, you're going to feel like you're back in time 
and you're actually in the locker room like you're a fly on the wall. It's just, I mean, your jaw's going to drop because I'm telling you, that's what happened to me after spending three years on the book. To, to be able to go through this was just, uh, I mean, it, it was incredible. So three years on the book, like almost another three years putting the TV yeah. show together. Obviously, Andy, who worked at Patriots.com for 20 years and now with me at EEI for a couple of years. And, you, you know, the not as very well versed in all the nuances, subtleties, nonsense, mayhem, behind the scenes, madness. And obviously somebody <laughs> like myself who just bashed. I mean, I my, like my clock was set to Patriots. Everything that Brady, Gronk, Belichick, Moss, Welker, Brewski, Vrabel did for two decades is the way we lived. You know, free Brady was the roll tide of Pat's nation. You know, people wore Brady and Gronk jerseys to funerals, to weddings, to graduations. Like our obsession with this team and especially this two decade run knows no boundaries. So I imagine people are just going to consume this wildly. And of course you've already brought up one soul punch in Brady's departure, which I still refuse to acknowledge. Now you've brought up 2007 as well. And like to like, these things will be like joyous and cathartic again, I think, for Patriots fans. And I think the timing of this also is is crazy because I mentioned at the top of the pod, Jeff, that, you know, today was the day the Chiefs had their the parade for their third Super Bowl in five years. They are the next dynasty. And now we're just awash in all of the nonstop, like, who's the new GOAT? No, Mahomes is greater right. than Brady. This dynasty has a chance to be better than the Patriots dynasty. So now that you have just been, you and Matthew have been, exhausted by almost like a hundred interviews. I heard like 35,000 hours yeah. of footage. Um, yeah. It's, it should be, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. And I can't wait. And all the, like some of the reviews have also said, like, get ready to see certain players in different lights. So before we even get into, you know, things they said about Brady reviewers are saying about Brady and Dolan Belichick, who came up, like, who did you, write about that you didn't really get a chance to experience personally. And then in putting this together, who did you walk away yeah. like impressed by frustrated by, uh, or Great like question. with a newfound respect? Great question. So I can give you a couple names and I, I know, you know, everyone watching this will, will like these names, but first of all, I'll start with Randy Moss. Um, so for the book, Randy was interesting. I sent Randy questions in advance. Keep in mind at that time, he was still working for ESPN doing the Monday night football stuff, in fact, with Steve Young. And that's how I got to Randy for the book. And I sent Randy questions in advance. And the way he answered them in typical Randy Moss fashion was he actually recorded them um, on the sideline of a Monday night game. I forget where they were. And then like the next morning, I got a digital file of Randy talking and answering the questions. It was fantastic and entertaining. And that's, that's how I got my interview stuff from Randy for the book. For the series, picture this, um, Randy Moss walks into the studio and we're supposed to do, I think we had a commitment from him to do something like 90 minutes of interview. Um, I think Randy stayed for five hours. Um, I don't know if Randy's ever talked to anybody for five hours, but I will just tell you that I came away from that interview going, holy cow, like this guy could do anything in, in entertainment, anything. He could have his own stand-up show on Netflix. He could have his own television show on HBO. He could be the funniest guy in Hollywood if he decided to become an actor. He does, I, I, without doing a spoiler, he does a reenactment 
in the series of one of the most famous scenes in Hollywood lore. Everyone watching this has seen this particular scene because you've all seen this movie. And when Randy does it in the context of him in his first game as a Patriot, the one at the Meadowlands, again, mm -hmm. the Jets game, yep. the Spygate game, when he catches that first touchdown pass from Tom. When Randy recreates that scene on camera for this series, I am telling you that you are going to be rolling on the floor because it is so incredibly hilarious. And so I just came away from with Randy just like this incredible appreciation for how talented this guy is. And I'm not talking about his athleticism. We all know about that. This is just about his on-screen presence. Then there's Teddy Bruschi, who I had an incredible experience interviewing him for the book. Um, I went into things like his medical uh, challenges when he was a patriot and how uh, sketchy that whole thing was and how impactful it was on his wife and his children. And that's really developed in the book. We didn't cover that in the series. But I have to say in the series, when he and his wife uh, came into the studio, Teddy came in multiple times. We did those interviews in Boston. Um, I cried. I mean, literally, like when Teddy Bruschi, I mean, this guy, to me, he's like the spirit, the soul of the New England Patriots. I mean, I'm telling you that Patriots fans who already love Teddy Bruschi, you're going to be just like, my God, we were so lucky to have this guy wearing our uniform. Uh, he, he, there was a time in one of our interviews where he literally had to just walk off the set because he got so intensely emotional as he was reliving some of the tough moments of, of his time in New England. And, and I remember following him out into the into the area and just going, Teddy, like, I, I, I don't even know what to say other than just like, you know, if you want to stop, we, we'll just stop, you know, because you've given us so much and to be sitting there next to his wife while that was going on. Um, there were just so many moments like that with these guys that I, I just came away with a more enriched appreciation for who they are as men and women. And I say, and women, because there were plenty of players who brought their wives to the studio. Maura Bledsoe flew all the way out from, you know, the West Coast to be there when Drew did his interviews. In fact, she even did an interview. And, um, you know, they're, they're people, you know, these are mothers, wives who live this with their husbands in New England. And so how can you not be appreciative for what they gave? So we saw the trailer and there was an interesting line in there from Michael Strahan, who said the Patriots turned into the villain. They won so much they were the villain. Um, some of the early reviews I'm reading um, that are out there, there's a little bit of a, I guess, negative tone toward Bill Belichick and the culture and how hard it was to work in New England. I, I can tell you personally many times, both publicly and in private settings, Bill has said, I'm a hard guy to play for and this is a hard place to play. He knew the culture he was creating, but it, are, are we going to leave this with sort of a um, villain's view of Bill <laughs> Belichick? Is he the reason that the relationship that I guess the dynasty broken into two parts is the building of the relationship with Tom Brady, the most successful pairing in history, and then kind of the breakup. While they still win, they're heading toward divorce. Are we going to blame Bill Belichick when we're done watching this 10-part series? You know, we're talking about Patriots fans first, right? So mm -hmm. if we if we just – let's put Patriots fans in one box. Then there's the rest of the world, which is 
more than 90% of probably the global viewers that'll watch this, right? I think that audience, the 90 percenters, the, the, you know, all the other teams, fans, people around the world that don't even know much about football who tune in and watch this on Apple TV Plus, I think a lot of those folks are going to have their opinions shaped, changed, modified, formed. But I think in Boston or greater New England, the, the, the people like the, the people who are watching your show right now and listening to this, most of those opinions are pretty well formed. They're pretty rooted. I don't think um, this series is going to do a lot to move people off of their views about Brady, Kraft, and Belichick and, and what's going on in New England. I think what it will do is it'll enrich it. You know what I'm saying? You'll, you will see more. It can deepen it, but I don't think it's going to cause people to pivot away and say, oh, I got a totally different view now of this person or this guy or whatever. I don't think it'll do that. I think most people in New England are pretty set in how they feel about the, the three main players in this narrative and what's transpired here. Um, you know, and you said you, you quoted Bill well in, in the preface to your question. And I think that that's true. Bill is right. He was tough to play for. It was a tough place to play. Um, the players corroborate that in their interviews. Um, and I think, you know, it's a, it can be jarring to see the players actually talking so openly about that because for 20 years, they didn't really talk about it. And now they are. That can be a bit, you know, it's a little unusual to hear them doing that. But one of the benefits of this coming out now is the dynasty is now history, right? It's, it's not distant history, but it is over, right? That dynasty that we're talking about is behind Don't tell us. Fitzy. Don't tell Fitzy it's over. <laughs> no, sure never. Like, oh. I'm never giving it up. We're going to be back next year, baby. 20 and 0. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so it, there's something to be said for being able to, to talk about it now and in a little more uh, openly. And, and I think that there's, it's almost, I mean, cathartic might be overstating it, but I think that, uh, you know, there were a lot of players that... It's a big word, Jeff. You better watch out. Were, they were ready. Um, you know, actually, it's funny you say that because, um, you know, one of the things that Andy and I have been talking about recently on the radio and the pod is how interesting it is now to hear so many Patriots players. Like, we just came off of Radio Row, Media Week, leading up to Super Bowl 58. And now you got guys like Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers and Matthew Judon. And who else was it, Andy? Jonathan Jones, uh, the yep. cornerback. Like, they're all out there. And they're like, oh, yeah, the defense was pissed last year at the offense because the offense sucked. And, yeah, Mac Jones got done dirty by the Patricia Judge reverse-engineered offense. Right. And Bill was a pain in the ass. And Mac did this. And but now all of a sudden it feels like, you know, like shackles are off and restraints and restraining orders and NDAs have expired. Um, are we going to get sit and, and it's very refreshing because we couldn't hear, pardon my French, shit for years. Like it was always just a lot of like, and everyone else had to always like be very terse and tight lipped. And now, you know, we saw once Brady and Gronk went to, Tampa now they're goofing around doing web vignettes with their you know tootsies in a pool and laughing about how yeah. great life is now and everything uh you know whereas everything was always so rough back in New England um and the big thing that rattled cages today online correct me if I'm wrong 
was the the soundbite from a lot of the critics that uh, reviewed it and shared today that Brady basically said in the in the docu series that no matter what he wasn't going back to play in 2020 because he had just had it with Bill. Yeah, I think so. Two things, Fitzy, that that I'd say here. First of all, one of the reasons that the Patriots were so had such unprecedented success for so long was because of the way they were controlled. Now, a lot of that has to do with Bill and not only the way he coached them on the field, but the way he controlled everything around the field, the locker room, the press conferences. And the reason it worked for so long was ultimately because of Tom. If there hadn't been a leader in the locker room and on the field like Brady, who accepted and bought in to that approach, it never would have trickled down to all the other players. It, it would have just been chaos and broken down. But this lasted for 20 years. And say what you want about Bill's style. You can, you, you can criticize it. You can do whatever you want. But the, at the end of the day, the results are the results. They went to nine Super Bowls. They had an undefeated regular season. They won six championships together. That is a function of that kind of tight control. And, you know, can the Chiefs do this for 20 years? We'll see. But they're not as controlled. Um, there was stuff going on today at the parade, the predictions, the, the bold declarations about we're going to win three in a row. And we're, you would never see the Patriots say some of the things that are already being said in Kansas City. It's a, that's a different team with a different culture and a different coach. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying the proof here is that it lasted 20 years. And, and that's a fact. And I think with Tom, you know, to be honest about it, he had the makeup. Could Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, he could, let's go back, John Elway, Dan Marino, would any of those guys – done this for 20 years when they became as great as Tom was Joe Montana. No, I don't think so. I mean, Tom has a unique personality and a, a unique ability. Humble is a, is almost a weird word to use in the context of big time football, but Tom, despite being a killer on the field, the biggest killer the league's ever seen, He's Lawrence Taylor on offense. That's what Tom Brady is. He's Lawrence Taylor on offense. Despite that, off the field, he had a, a pretty unique humility about him that allowed him to put up with stuff. When Randy Moss talks about Tom getting his head taken off, I guarantee you the first time Randy Moss and Dante Stallworth came to New England in 2007 and sat in their first team meeting and witnessed Bill doing that to Tom, they were, I mean, their jaws were dropping, like, wow. And, and immediately, you know, like, this is Tom's team. So if Tom's putting up with that, I guess we're putting up with that. So first of all, I want to thank you for sort of agreeing and maybe even validating an opinion I've had for a long time. And that's more remarkable than any achievement Brady and Belichick had over the years was the fact that they stayed together to reach those levels of success. Because I once had somebody say to me, can you imagine if Belichick had Rodgers? And I said, yeah, they'd win maybe one or two before they just butted heads and broke it. There was no way those two, and as you said, 
I'm not sure anyone else could have worked with Bill Belichick under those uh, parameters for two decades. So, um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Speaking of Bill, that's where I wanted to go here. We see him in the trailer and we hear a lot of people talking about him. Uh, what are we going to hear from Bill Belichick over 10 episodes and how was it to work with Bill uh, getting his uh, verbal comments, getting him on camera in that sit down. Probably a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. Did he MF you? Because he MF me once walking away from an interview. So. <laughs> wait, so, wait, somebody said that even in the comments. They were like, hey, like that time when Bill said to Andy, you mother <laughs> You haven't lived until Bill Belichick is MF'd you. <laughs> All right, then I've got a purpose besides seeing my kids graduate and get married. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> um, you know, I think that what's really different about writing a book and making a docuseries is in the book, I mean, like for instance, purposely, I didn't even put photographs in that book. There's no pictures. It, it's all based on wanting the reader to imagine, right? It, and it imagine. took a while to get through. Yeah, I know it's well read, but it's it's exhausting, but it's worth it. Yeah, and in the documentary, it's a completely different medium. You're you're actually going to see Tom and Willie McGinnis and Rodney Harrison and Ty Law and Lawyer Malloy and every one of these guys. You're going to see Gronkowski, Edelman, walk into a room. You're going to see them sit down in a chair and then stare down the barrel of a camera and start taking questions. That alone is incredibly captivating television. It's It just is like almost like it almost doesn't matter what they say. And so um, the, the thing is with Bill is I think like like everyone else who sat for the interviews, he comes off so authentically that anybody who's followed this team for five minutes is going to go, that's him. Like, we're really looking at him. This is not an act. He's not, uh, it's very organic. It's very, it's legit. It's natural. It's like, it, it, this is not acting. This is really Bill and it's Bill being Bill. It's Tom being Tom. And I think for Patriots fans who are really engrossed in this team, you're, you're going to feel like you're in the room with Bill Belichick during that interview. And, you know, I, I don't want to give too much away about what he says, but I would just say that his interviews, from my opinion, uh, were incredibly revealing. Um, and we covered all of the things, and by that I mean topics, that I think Patriots fans would want to hear him asked, the questions that they want him to be asked. So and we're going to find out if Ma why Malcolm Butler didn't play? Uh, he, he, 
I just say that that is in one of the latter episodes. Bill is definitely asked that question. And so all those, all those things are there. <laughs> and um, I, I just think it would have been a disservice to the series if we didn't, you know, ask those questions. Yes. G great. I'm glad someone would, because any one of us that would ever try to do it probably would fear like having a trap door open underneath us and falling into a shark pit or having Bill have lasers come out of his eyes and just like melt us on the spot because he has that intimidation. I don't know what it is. Just has that intimidation factor. And I, I I'm curious to see if we're going to get some combination like Andy and I have talked about. And I think Pat's fans loved seeing him on the NFL 100 years ago because he was so great. He was so compelling. And you know, he can be when he gets going on, this punter or this formation from right. the Naval Academy or this special team or whatever. Um, so I'm curious to see if we get like hard ass post game Belichick mixed with NFL 100 Belichick and, and all of that as well. Um, Let but, me just tell you, Nick, just, that, yeah. so the, the interview with Bill was conducted um, as were most, not all, but most of the interviews were conducted by Matt Hamachek, the director. Mm -hmm. Matt has a great way. Uh, a great conversational way of doing interviews. Um, I thought that he did an incredible job with uh, interviewing Bill. Um, he was professional. He was conversational. The interview is intimate. And I think that um, it's one of the reasons I think Matt was a perfect choice for the docuseries. I think Patriots fans will appreciate his style as an interviewer. Um, it's different probably than what Patriots fans are used to in press conferences, but uh, very effective. A um, couple, uh, couple questions and comments from people that are watching on Facebook and YouTube live right now here on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast with Dynasty author and TV series producer Jeff Benedict. Um, from YouTube, Dan B. 2387. Let's face it, there was at least some truth to what Lane Johnson said a few years ago about being a Patriots player under Belichick. Remember that famous comment being, they don't have any fun up there. I imagine, Jeff, we'll probably see a lot of people either address that cultural aspect of playing for the Patriots and then bring up that winning was always fun for them. Um, but Mike Onofrio, watching live right now on Facebook, asks, is there anything that was not addressed or were all topics on the table for discussion with all players or members of the dynasty. So um, all topics were on the table, um, especially all the, uh, you know, hot button topics, you know, which would probably fall into the bucket of Spygate, Deflategate, Aaron Hernandez, Malcolm Butler, uh, you know, Donald Trump and uh, his letter that he asked Bill to write and read that's all of this stuff was on the table the relationships between players uh, the coaching staff all of that was there um i don't think there was anything that we felt we didn't get that we wished we had there's obviously not everything that everybody wants in the story is in the story we only had so much space but from our perspective, we covered everything and there was definitely nothing that was off the table. We had no restrictions put on us in terms of what we could ask about. So you mentioned the transition from book to video, uh, the 35,000 hours of video. What's something you learned in phase two of this project that 
you didn't know after you had finished the book project? Well, uh, there were a lot, there were a lot of things just because, um, we were finding things in the video archive that, you know, even the Patriots didn't know they had because it was old. And, um, for example, uh, there were a lot of things in I love the 2007 season because to me, that's, that's a great watershed moment in the, in the dynasty run where they go undefeated and they're on the cusp of the perfect season. And then the helmet catch happens and all hell breaks loose. And I always thought like right there, that's the moment where it really could have ended as a dynasty. And if it had, it would have still gone down in history as one of the great dynasties. It would have been right on the shelf next to the Packers, the Steelers and the Niners, three Super Bowl wins and, you know, a perfect regular season. And what a great run. What a great run. But that's a soul crushing. That's the kind of soul crushing loss that would break most teams. It would break their souls. Like what I didn't know when I wrote the book is that in the locker room after that game, that players were actually like, you know, there was weeping, there was vomiting, there was a, a kind of crushing breakdown that I I didn't know about that when I wrote the book. And I would have obviously, from a dramatic standpoint, tried to illuminate that in the narrative had I known that. Mm. That came out as we were going through the archive and seeing stuff. And then, because there's a lot of video taken from 07 that we didn't know existed. Um, there's an incredible scene, which I won't get into because I don't want to spoil anything, but there's an incredible scene that took place in Foxborough um, right at the start of the 08 season when they were getting ready to try to recover and let's go back and do it again. And now we all know what happened at the start of the 08 season when Tom gets hit in the Chiefs game and he misses the whole season. But we found video of something that happened right before the season started that I just think when people watch it, it's a meeting. It's a meeting that happened at the stadium. It involves the Crafts and Belichick and Brady and all the players. And it's just raw footage that it's just like, holy cow. I mean, so there was a lot of stuff like that for me that I was just like, you know, this is why you do a docuseries after a book, because you can go deeper, you can find more. People are comfortable to tell you more. And they did. They went further. I mean, we were already going to watch Jeff. I mean, we are the target audience. You don't have to sell us that hard. I mean, we're we're going to be there no matter what. I know, I know. Well, I know. you told me the the yeah, vomit. I, mean, I want to yeah. see somebody vomit in the locker room. I I mean, that's sick of me, maybe, but you just that's that's the biggest thing I'll probably take away from this conversation today is that I'm intrigued to see that post game locker room. Yeah, and and Andy, Jeff has been nice enough to be, if I may, Jeff, real quick. And he's been nice enough to come a couple times to the Putnam Club before games and talk to the season ticket members and fans. Um, uh, and we've talked about, uh, and you know, a lot of this stuff before, which is nice. And it's great to be able to expand and share it with a larger audience now, Jeff, and the audience gets bigger starting Friday on Apple TV plus, but we've had other guys like former offensive linemen and, and whatnot, like Dan Copen has said, like, um, we had the worst week of practice, you know, guys were, just weren't taking it seriously. Something was wrong all week. Guys were partying like they it was in their head. It was already like it's done. It's you know, we've already beaten these guys. They can't play us any better. They played the game of their lives in the final week of the season when they went 16 and 0. like it's just always going to be so captivating, so frustrating. Um, yeah. And to and to now see these little slivers and nuggets like that that we never thought could have existed. Like, I, I love it. I love and, the detail. I love the because we've all 
there's a, I think there's a certain portion of the Patriot Nation fan base that feels like, oh, I read everything. I read Holly. I read the Dynasty. I, I watched the NFL films. But it was such a long run with so many stars and Hall of Famers and stories. There's always more. And, and no offense to you. I don't know that you got all no. of it. I think there's probably other stories that will come five years, ten years down the road. The truth is, Andy, uh, when I when I did the book, there were a ton of great stories that I had that I didn't use yep. because it's hard to when you're writing a book. You know, it's hard enough to get people to read 500 pages. And to me, this team deserved 500 pages. This this dynasty is bigger than any we've ever seen before. It shouldn't be done in a 250 page book. But at the same time, 500 is 500. You can't do 750. And so I had some fantastic stories that I knew about that I didn't put in the book because I was trying to tell it as tightly as I could. You want the the book to read like a movie. It's got to go fast. And so you can't tell every single story. And so people writing, why didn't you include the such and such story? That should have been in the book. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of those stories. And, and so you try to pick the ones that you think are the best to really illuminate what this thing's about. And in the docuseries, you, you kind of have to do the same thing. We don't have 20 hours of television. We have 10 episodes and it's pretty action packed, you know, because these this doesn't feel like a docuseries. It feels like a movie the way it rolls out. It's got music. It's It's got like great commercial music in it, the stuff you see in movies that really enhances what you're watching. Well, um, you know, my favorite parts of, I always love Tom versus time because I love the behind the scenes stuff with Tom and his kids and seeing just what a great dad he is and how much he cares. And uh, I love the stuff in the book about when Robert Kraft was younger and he would pick up the kids from Hebrew school and go to the deli and pick up sandwiches and then drive to the old crappy stadium. Like, and and like, that's the stuff that I love doing and want to do. And I know Andy, Football runs deep in Andy's household uh, with him and his son as well. And I'm going to be what my I'm hanging out with just my 11 year old Friday and um, to really get him into all the stuff that he missed because he was too young. We're going to watch the first two episodes together uh, because sports is the ultimate um, emotional connective tissue. And that's what's so great. So great about it. And I can't wait. Um, but my, my last question for you, Jeff, as you've given us more than more time than I could have asked for. And this has been so fun. Um, I just wanted to ask if there's like, is there one thing in putting the book together, but then also putting the docu series together that you now, like you've been, you've been, you watched the 35 or as much as you could of the 35,000 hours of footage and a hundred new interviews and everything. Is there something now that you're almost in possession of perspective and knowledge of that, you know, where, wherein like you think like, Oh shit, if they had just done this one thing differently, uh, they had maybe would have won that other Super Bowl, or if this one fragile little element didn't fall into place, the whole entire you know thing would have broken apart, and we never would have had the second half of the dynasty, or this or that. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, can I just say one thing real quick, please? Nick, yes, sir. about what you said before I answer that, because when you were saying what you enjoyed about the the story about you know Robert Kraft picking up his kids at Hebrew school and all that kind of stuff. To go back to what you said at the very beginning of our conversation today about, you know, did the crafts control the book or hire me or something like that? The truth of the matter is they had no idea what I was going to write in the book. They had no idea where I was going to go with the narrative. 
it was my decision, 100%, to open the story with the, the backstory of how Robert became Robert, how he went from Bobby to Bob to Robert to RKK. The reason I did that was because as a storyteller, I felt like there's so much we know about Tom and Bill and so little we know about Mr. Kraft. And I thought that those stories that I that I learned about him, that most of which had never been told, I'm not talking about the story about him meeting Tom on the steps and Tom saying, I'm the best decision your organization's ever made. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the stuff like the Hebrew school and coming home with the first season tickets and showing Jonathan and opening his briefcase and the, the tickets roll out in the 70s. Those stories to me are bedrock foundation for how this team became what they are. And so I chose to tell those stories. If you don't like it, hey, that's on me. But that had nothing to do with anybody else. That, that was me as a storyteller. And I, I just wanted to put that out there because I like those kind of stories. I'm a dad. I have kids. Most of the people I know who watch this team are moms and dads with kids who are in love with the Patriots. So I thought those stories would resonate with my audience. I don't really care what other people want to criticize about that. To me, that's one of the best parts of the story. Okay. Thanks for giving me a chance to say that. To answer your Thank question, you. yes. Um, the fact is that uh, I think that there were so many places from, from 2007 on where this thing should have busted apart. I could tick them all off, but the big ones would be 2010, Tom's contract coming up. He's suddenly doubting, is Bill going to you know, lose faith in him and move on from him like he did with Drew, which was how Tom got his job in the first place. Is, am I going to have that happen to me? So the summit in Cape Cod with Robert and Jonathan, where he, he's really saying he, you know, he needs security, he's worried. The draft in 14, where they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. There, there's all these points in time where there would have been natural breaking points in the dynasty. So um, I think it's remarkable that it just kept holding on. And I think that a lot of that had to do with the, the relationship that Kraft had with Bill and the relationship Kraft had with Brady, which were very different. But by keeping those both working, they were on separate tracks. And, and Robert's like hopping from track to track. I mean, my visual is a guy who's on a pretty fast moving train and he's jumping off into the other box and now dealing with that guy and then back into the other. And he's trying to keep the trains running. And eventually by 2020, it just couldn't happen anymore. Like the, the journey had taken its course. And as much as it would have been great to see Tom like win his last Super Bowl and play his last three seasons in New England, um, it could have happened. It could have happened, but it would have required people to change their personalities. And that's the thing. People don't change their personalities. We are who we are. And I think that it, it just had reached the end of the road. And so rather than, you'll never hear me say, for example, the dynasty finally crumbled. It didn't crumble. It, it was more like the death of a spouse. It, it, went it was a 20-year marriage. And finally, after a long, long marriage, successful marriage, it had strife. There were arguments. There were getting pissed off moments. There were all the things that happen in a great marriage. And eventually, like when a spouse dies, the marriage finally ends and the survivor, 
has to carry on. And, and that's really what happened here is it ran its course. And um, I would never second guess what Tom did in leaving. It wasn't selfish. It was just time. I mean, I think he makes that clear uh, in the series and, uh, you know, pretty emotional when he talks about it. But I think that scene in Robert's house to me is, uh, I mean, I get pretty emotional when I just think about it because I know how much emotion. One of my favorite things to write was the scene of Jonathan Kraft on the phone in Colorado when Tom and Robert call him from Robert's house that night and Tom's all choked up and he's trying to tell Jonathan that he's leaving and Jonathan doesn't say anything. He just has to take his glasses off and rub his eyes. I mean, that's all you need to know. Like you don't need any words right there. You can see what the hell's going on. And I think to me, that's really the heart of kind of what this story is about. Okay, I'm with so you. Jeff, I have to ask you um, because everybody's done Belichick versus Brady. You know, we've done that yeah. on talk radio and websites for years. Sure. But I think you, with the Dynasty book and now the Dynasty docuseries, bring a breadth and depth of kind of investigation into the Dynasty that really loops in Robert in a way that I'm not yes. sure happened. So, yes. um, you know, power rankings are big in the NFL business, right? Everybody gives their opinion yes. who, who the best quarterback is. Okay, yeah. so Jeff Benedict, after 35,000 hours of video and interviews and years, give me the power ranking on the Patriots dynasty triumvirate, Brady, Belichick, and Kraft in order, if you would. Sure, um, I, and I get the temptation for it. Um, <laughs> power. No, I do. I get the temptation for it. I mean, look, Bill and Tom each had jobs that were easy to scrutinize, and easy to understand because they happen in plain view. Right. Right. We watch them in a bowl on Sundays. The whole world sees how they do their job. You, you see every bit of it. Once Tom puts on his helmet and, and Bill puts on his headset for three hours, we can judge how they do their job. And they bid it, did it pretty damn good for 20 years, better than it had ever been done before. What you can't see is how the owner does his job. That's the invisible part uh, of the job. Now, there are exceptions to that rule. In Dallas, you see a little bit more of how the owner does his job because he's out in front and they haven't won a Super Bowl in God knows how long. They haven't even been close to getting to one. In this town, the owner has a very sort of behind the curtain role and the only way that this dynasty would work for 20 years is if the owner was willing to be behind the curtain. In other words, you can't have three people on the same stage trying to, trying to take in one set of light. It's hard enough to have two people in the light. It, stars don't share light real well. They just don't. And so uh, I made that comparison between Tom and Bill and Paul and John for a reason. If the Beatles could only last like eight years and they were the greatest band to ever live, it's shocking that Bill and Tom could be married for 20 years. And the key to that is the role of the owner. That's the other reason that I opened the book with the owner and put some more onus on him because I was trying to get people to get a, a more 3D look 
three-dimensional look at the dynasty. It's not to say that Robert's more important than Bill or Tom's more important than Robert. It's not about that. It's about understanding that all three of these guys had super important roles. And if you remove one of them from the equation, it's all over, all of it. And so if you took Robert out of the equation and you just put Bill and Tom together, first of all, they would have never won six Super Bowls because they would have never lasted together for anywhere nearly as long as they did. So how do you put a ranking on that? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you can't really put one above the other. It's really important to list the three of them. There just should be a Mount Rushmore with three heads. That's it. There are no other heads. It's just them. The greatest owner, and you, I'm judging greatness, by the way, with one word, success. Yep. So the most successful yep. owner in the history of football, the most successful coach in the history of football, and the most successful player in the history of football. That's the end of the conversation. There, there isn't anyone else in that conversation, at least not right now. And we have 100 years of football history to put that up against. That's Mount Rushmore. So until that changes, there shouldn't be any more heads on the mountain. Yeah, and there have been people even, Jeff, that have suggested that when now Bill Belichick has obviously moved on, that you know who's getting the statue and uh, where's it going to go and how will they pay tribute? <clears throat> Some have even suggested that the statue out front of the stadium should just be the three of them. It should just all go up at once and it should be as all the, whatever, however you say they make up the hundred percent of the greatness and the accomplishment that was the dynasty that all three should get statues together because only in such incredible cooperation were they able to accomplish uh, what they did. Um, all right. Uh, let's put, let's put a bow in this puppy and wrap it up. Um, Jeff, I can't thank you enough for the time, uh, for sending me the books. If anyone hasn't uh, actually had a chance to read the book yet, I highly recommend it. There's an ebook that's available right now. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's also available in paperback. You can get it wherever you get your good books and stuff. I got a couple copies left. So if anyone wants to slide into those DMs at FitzyGFY on the socials, Instagram or Twitter, tell me uh, tell me why you need to read it or how come you never got a chance to. I'll see if maybe I can send you out a copy as well. Um, the the series premieres again this Friday on Apple TV+. Plus. The reviews have been great. Chad Finn from The Globe said, uh, anyone who has any doubt that Tom Brady is going to be aces as the lead analyst for Fox will leave those doubts behind because he is so free, so comfortable, so animated, charismatic, and dynamic in the show. You give me good Brady, you've got my attention. Um, <laughs> it's been great getting to chat with you, Jeff. Great getting to know you as well. Uh, it's an awesome book. Can't wait for the series. And uh, thanks for your time today, brother. Any any last words you want to share with the audience? No, I'll leave the uh, trophy selection or statue selections to the Patriots. But as a writer, I, I'm sticking with my Mount Rushmore. It should be the three of them up there. Love it. Love All it. right. Uh, great job, as always. He's Andy Jumbo Hart. You can follow him at Jumbo Hart. I'm your old pal, Nick Fitzy Stevens. You can follow me at Fitzy GFY across the socials. And of course, he is Jeff Benedict the author of the Steve Young biography, Tiger, LeBron, and of course, the Dynasty. And once again, the show premieres this Friday on Apple TV+. Thanks for listening to and watching Six Rings and Football Things Live with Jeff Benedict. Behind the Dynasty, we thank you as always. Make sure you uh, you subscribe, like, share, smash, all that jazz. We are at Six Rings Pod. You can follow us uh, Odyssey, Spotify Pods, Apple Pods, and wherever good football talk is found. 
We will talk to you guys very soon. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to watch the Dynasty. Good day. God bless. And as always, go Pats.